So, friends, I was once in this conference with uh, Dr. Steve Lawson, and he was talking about expository preaching. And there was this quote that I really enjoyed when he was talking about the vastness of the riches uh, in the Bible. He said, the Bible is the only book that gets larger the more you read it. The Bible is the only book that gets larger the more you read it. And that's so true, isn't it? Because it's this inexhaustible source from God himself. It's a book that is alive. The more you read it, the more it changes you. You dig and you find treasures and you can never, never deplete it. And we are always surprised, aren't we? Sometimes we... We read the passage and perhaps we see someone else preaching from a passage. And even though we are familiar with it, sometimes we see something completely different. We are surprised. There's a new light. There's a new understanding. Perhaps there's a new and a distinct application that moves us. As we're not doing any series today, we will look at the detail of this event following the the crucifixion uh, that we just read in Mark. The crucifixion itself is a very familiar event. I think we all know that. But as we dig in some of these details, I think we'll be blessed by its treasures. In particular, we are zooming in this peculiar event um, where we see Jesus being aided by this somewhat obscure figure of this man, called Simon of Cyrene. And in order to get the fuller view, because it's, it's just one verse, we actually make use of the, the synoptic gospels, of the other ones, the parallels, and other relevant passages to help us. Why, uh, sorry, who was this man called Simon of Cyrene? Why is he mentioned here? Why was he chosen to do this task? And how did these things take place? How can we apply them as well? Let's start with this question of his identity. Who is Simon, or who was Simon of Cyrene? And I think a bit of context would definitely help us here. If you have your Bibles open in front of you, or your, your, your phones that would be helpful. Let me reread the, the verse that we are focusing here today, which is Mark fifteen twenty one. And they compelled a passerby, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry his cross. So we, we right away we see here at the center of this verse, we have this character unheard of before, and afterwards called son of Cyrene. One thing we know, that he is a man from Cyrene. Where is Cyrene? Cyrene was a city in Africa of a Roman and Greek influence, also known as the um, Athens of Africa, actually, because it was... Um, it boasted once of a thriving community of philosophers and traders. And at the time of, of Jesus, it had a significant population of Jews, Jews who had migrated there following the Jewish diaspora. Even Mark, or John Mark, the author 
of the book of Mark is rumored or believed to be a Cyrenian himself. Maybe was it the reason why he mentions that Simon was from Cyrene here? Was there some parochialism on his part? We do not know. But what we know for sure is that Simon of Cyrene was this African man who was where he was in Jerusalem at the time of the Jewish Passover. And I do believe the evidence suggests that he was indeed a Jew who came to the holy city to offer his sacrifice and his offerings and to honor God. What we can tell for sure is that he was a foreigner. And I think the author here, Mark, wants us to to know, not only Mark, but also on on the parallels, that it was an outsider, it was a foreigner, who helped and served the Lord at this crucial moment. And it's another detail that we see added here, because he's not just Simon of Cyrene. We see here that he was the father of Alexander and Rufus. And I think this is quite relevant because of Mark. Because Mark, of all the Gospels, is the most concise, is very direct, is sometimes even laconic. It lacks details. It's very straight. But we see Mark going off here, this seemingly, you know, tangent, to make the point, to qualify that Simon was the father of Alexander and Rufus. I find this really informative. If you think of an illustration, at one point here, in LCP, we had uh, too many Ians. At one point, I think we had three or maybe four Ian McDonald's. So say just Ian wouldn't suffice. Ian McDonald wouldn't suffice. would have to say something like Ian, the father of Maisie. And that would help, right, for us to distinguish. But, of course, outside the realm of LCPC, if I may say, or perhaps the free, uh, Ian, the father of Maisie, wouldn't really help because they wouldn't have that reference. Do you get it? Like when Mark says here, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, it's implied that his readers would know Alexander and Rufus. So this reference they could relate to. And I think uh, more interesting is the fact that the gospel of Mark is believed to be addressed to the church in Rome, facing increasing persecution, and as he writes through the, you know, he, he writes to encourage those Christians in, in Rome. You know, he talks about the life, the death, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we see actually that there's this thriving community in Rome. In Romans 16:13, uh, we actually re- read, "Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, also his mother, who has been a mother to me to me as well." This is Paul. Now in Romans, of course, writing to the church in Rome. Of course, Alexander and Rufus are relatively common names in the ancient world. We can necessarily um, draw this uh, conclusion here. But I do believe one thing we can say for sure is that this event here that is bracketed in this single verse is very important for the early church and is very important in Simon's life. I believe Simon's life completely changed that day. I actually believe that he converted that day to Christ. But, most likely, 
at the time of writing. He had passed away. He was long gone. And, you know, the, the, the readers wouldn't know of them, of him. But that encounter with the Lord Jesus would have changed not only his life, but the life of his family, the life of his wife. And it's almost as if Mark is saying here, do you know Alexander and Rufus? Well, let me tell you this account here. This is where they came from. Moreover, we also hear in the book of Acts, mentions of interactions with Cyrenians, that they were involved, very involved in the life of the early church, preaching the Lord Jesus in the church in Antioch and beyond. We hear actually in Acts uh, 11 that the Cyrenians were among, in Cyrene actually, whereas uh, among, sorry, let me rephrase this, um, when they said that the disciples who were first called Christians, among them there were Cyrenians. So it's quite possible that Simon of Cyrene played an important role um, in, in bringing the gospel to Cyrene or amongst the Cyrenians. So what do we do with this? One thing that we can, we can say for sure, irrespective of these some sort of speculations that we can draw from scripture here, we know what a blessing would be for Simon to know that his children, you know, Alexander and Rufus, were known by the, the readers of the gospel. That in what blessing it is for us as fathers, perhaps to think that um, even through the challenges that we face, that our children can be perhaps once known for being uh, figures of a church community, that they would, they'll be used and blessed and known. That the grace of our, of our Lord Jesus Christ can be extended, can be expanded, can be deepened in the lives of our offspring, even through our turmoil. Let's pray that this is the same to us. Okay, we kind of get it, or, or get who Simon was. But why? That's the second question here is, why was he picked up for this job? Why did the Roman soldiers uh, choose him? Because normally, it was the duty of the convicts to carry the cross up to the point of crucifixion. So what happened here then? Why did Jesus did not take his cross up to there? And if you remember the reading that we had here before, we see that uh, the, when Jesus was being led away uh, to the Mount of Olives, he was served with a severe flogging. He was scourged, beaten, lacerated, almost to the point of death. And we don't, do not want to be too graphic here, but I think we need to ponder for a moment on the level of brutality. You know, the, 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 the Romans, they would have these whips braided with leather and with uh, iron balls and, and sharp sheep bones that would really hurt and do a lot of damage. Not too infrequent, the flogging itself was enough to kill the person. So the image that we get from this account is that our Lord Jesus was very weakened by this point. 
and actually this serves first of all to show us his full humanity, right? He was not a superman made of steel. He was made of flesh and bones and he was hurt, he was injured and unable to carry his cross. Or the very least, he was unable to carry it at the speed that the Roman soldiers wanted and the Jewish rulers wanted. If, if you read here in, in verse um, 1, we, we see that it was, uh, Mark says, as soon as it was morning. So, you know, the level of anxiety and the hastiness that they wanted, as, they, they couldn't wait. As soon as it was morning, they got together to them and crucify the Lord Jesus Christ. So he was too weak and they needed someone else to help with the cross. Some may suggest that this was an act of mercy, that the Roman soldiers saw that our Lord was too weak and they were showing some compassion for Jesus' suffering. I think it's rather the opposite. Rather than being mercy, is what we see here is cruelty. The Romans were not known for their compassion. Even though they haven't uh, invented the crucifixion, they were known for, being, for, for having perfected it as, as a process by which they would prolong and maximize the pain, the suffering. And they, they didn't want the Lord Jesus to die before they could, you know, display their full cruelty. They did not want the Lord Jesus to die before the crucifixion. God, maybe, uh, maybe it was mercy on God's part. Maybe God did use uh, Simon as a merciful aid to our Lord Jesus. Maybe it was even an answer of prayer, uh, you know, the prayers that our Lord had at Gethsemane, but not the Romans. They wanted the full show they wanted Jesus to be on display for everyone. Simon was uh, um, perhaps a necessary expediency, but Jesus could not die on the Via Dolorosa. He had to go to Golgotha. So the question remains open. Why Simon of Cyrene? They needed someone, but it couldn't be anyone. It had to be someone suitable. They may, may have looked for for the disciples, you know, to teach them a lesson. But where is Simon Peter? Not there. We are told that there's a multitude mourning and weeping, but among them we know that in terms of his disciples, we see the women there. Perhaps they were not suitable to to carry that crossbeam. And I think Matthew 27, 32, which actually is the parallel passage of this one, help us to understand this, it reads, As they went out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. They compelled this man to carry his cross. As they went out, they found a man. Simon was found. He was, they were looking for it. It couldn't be anyone. They didn't want to increase the bad blood with the Jews. It couldn't be any person. It had to be a foreigner, someone suitable, a man that was strong enough. They found Simon. Let us pause here just for a moment and let's think of it because we see Simon was coming in from the country, minding his own business, and he was found. He wasn't looking for it. He wasn't trying to help our Lord Jesus Christ. 
He was found. And in our lives, I think sometimes things do occur kind of all of a sudden. And sometimes we are not looking for these circumstances, especially, of course, adverse circumstances. Could we not look at this text? Look at Simon of Cyrene and his surprise at the task ahead and see as he meets Christ. And could we not find some hope for ourselves that as we here encounter our own struggles, we know that we are found not by our, not by our enemies, but we are found, Christian believer, by our beloved Savior. That the struggles that we face, they are not part of an expedient, but a well-established, thoughtful, delightful plan of God in bringing us to sanctification, even through our hardships, as we follow the steps of our Savior. Okay, so we've seen who Simon of Cyrene was. We have seen why they picked him. Now there are a few additional details that I think enriches this account. Let's see how did Simon of Cyrene carry the cross. So for that, I would like you to try to imagine yourselves, try to picture yourself in ancient Jerusalem. Try to put yourself in the shoes or the sandals of Simon of Cyrene. And for that, you need to try to imagine your surroundings. Jerusalem was was busy at the moment. There were visitors from all around the, the ancient world. Visitors up from Cyrene and beyond. There wasn't enough room for all of these people. So the text says that in, in both Mark and Luke accounts, that Simon was coming in from the country into Jerusalem. So he was probably in Bethany, in some place around, maybe in tents uh, or, or, or just camping around. And he was coming to the temple, minding his own business, as we said before, maybe to offer, uh, to bring his offerings, to take part in the feast. It was the day of the, of the feast of the Pascal, you know, the slaughtering of the lamb, the 14th of Nisan. As a foreigner, Simon was outside that and coming into that. Then, all of a sudden, he is found. But not only he's found, look what the text says as well, that he is compelled. So he was minding his own business and then suddenly he's compelled. He's compelled to carry someone else's cross. And the compel word here is quite strong. Actually, it refers to another word of, of Persian origin that was used for, you know, for, for couriers, public couriers. Uh, they were commissioned by the king of Persia. They were in some stations, and whenever anyone would pass by, they would force them, they would compel them to run some errands for the king of Persia. It's that level of compulsion that Simon was suffering here. This impressment, they call it, impressment into service. Because some say here that the, perhaps the Roman soldiers were just making a prank, you know. They were mocking the Lord Jesus. Now let's mock someone else here. And let's be nasty with this foreigner. No, they were actually impressing him into service. He was compelled, he was impelled, propelled, forced into carry the Lord Jesus 
cross. He was not happy with it. Not at all. He wasn't happy. And in Luke's account, now just for the, the, the last element here of, of this, we see another detail of the how that he was forced to do this behind the Lord Jesus. Not in front, not on the sides, but behind. Luke, why, why does Luke want us to know this precise indication of the precise location? I think this is quite interesting. Because it echoes some of the things that Luke has said before, has written before. So if you see in Luke 9, 23 to 24, we read the Lord Jesus saying, And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Can you see the echoes that Luke puts here when when he, he mentions the location that Simon is carrying it behind of Jesus. He's literally following Jesus. Now again, if, if you are here with me, just go back to ancient Jerusalem. Think as Simon was walking with Jesus. Jesus had gone through the mockery that we read, you know, the purple cloak, the, oh, hail, the king of the Jews. And now as he starts walking through the city, he starts walking through the Via, the Via Dolorosa, the crowds join in, in the mockery. You see, they join the chorus, all the ridicule, all the humiliation, they spitting, they, the, the, they are throwing stones. And Simon of Cyrene is there witnessing everything. Some commentator says that at this point, you know, the convicts would break. They would, they would utter all sorts of vulgarities. They would yell. They would curse people back to the point that some of the Roman soldiers would, would even cut their tongues off. But not our Lord Jesus Christ. He would say words of forgiveness. He would say, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. And Simon, it's quite interesting this, even the, the, the name Simon means the listener. Shimon, the listener. Simon was amused. He would listen. This person has a complete different demeanor. And as he was following in the mockery, he would hear more and more of our Lord Jesus Christ. His life was changed. The, the life of his family was changed forever. How could that not be? He was following our Lord Jesus Christ. So I do think this changed his life. If he went back to Cyrene, he would have told of this account. If he went forth to Antioch in Rome, he would have told this account. Irrespective of that, if you are, if you, if you are <clears throat> focused on, on, on the details here of what Luke and Mark and Matthew wants to show us, they are picturing here for us, they're establishing a model, what it is to follow Christ. There is a cost of discipleship. There is a cost in following Christ. When Simon was following Christ, he heard all of this ridicule. He may have endured himself, endured some himself. The speech might have, you know, splashed on him. Um, but 
I, I, I think he was blessed by this, the, the words of Christ. And I think in our society, we see this mockery around us that is an increasing persecution. And I think the message here is for us to be ready, be strong. If you follow Christ, there is a cross for us to bear. But if we forfeit it, we will not reap the rewards. And all those who bear the, the cross will also wear the crown. If you follow Christ, you follow him into everlasting life, even if you go through the cross of death. So, friends, let me just say this one last thing in closing. There, there is this last image that I would like us to think of. If you see, Jesus was going from the city to outside the city. He was going from the city to the Mount of Olives. Simon of Cyrene was coming in the direct, in the opposite direction. He was going to the city, the city who rejected Christ, the, all the, 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 the ceremonies and the hypocrisy. In his direction, as he meets with Christ, his direction changed completely. Against his will, he's not going to the city anymore. He's not going to the rituals. He's not going to the rejection. He was, he, he, he's not going to the temple anymore, but temple actually, the true temple had found him. He was coming for the lamb to the sacrifice and the lamb of God has found him. He was stained with the blood of Christ as he, he, he carries that crossbeam and he was saved, I believe. Do you see? All of this account, this is not, and especially for us, this is not about Simon of Cyrene. It's not about what Simon of Cyrene did for Christ. This is about what Christ did for Simon and for us. Let us pray. Our heavenly and gracious Father, we thank you for the example of discipleship that we find in Mount of Simon of Cyrene. Help us as we carry our crosses and teach us to follow the footsteps of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us crucify our desires. Let us deny ourselves and live for Christ's sake. 